Jump into this episode for my journey from monogamy to polyamory, back to monogamy or kind of mm, no labels, but mostly monogamy, as well as how to create and step into what you desire in your life and hold your vision, your worthiness, and a few updates on my life. The Embody Podcast accompanies you on your journey of remembering and embodying your true nature, integration, and alignment with your vibrational clarity, self-love, and living a life of beauty and wholeness. It's a menu of transformative healing tools, experientials, meditations, and practices from a blend of family constellations, somatic therapies, and holistic and spiritual practices sprinkled with vulnerable conversations with people who have the courage to be themselves, alive now episodes with updates on my personal process, and reverie episodes that are spiritual succulents that honor, reveal, hug, shake, or stir you into love. I'm your host, Candice Wu, integrative and intuitive healing facilitator and artist. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Embody podcast. It's great to have you here in 2021. Happy New Year to everyone. You know, it's like a month after the new year, but um, I realized in the last two episodes in January in 2021, I didn't really even say Happy New Year. It's just one of those things that isn't that big of a thing on my radar for me. But um, I don't know, it's, it's the cycle of ending things and starting anew is like daily and sometimes cyclically like every month. So um, with the year, it's not as big of a deal for me. But also Chinese New Year is coming up pretty soon, February 12th this year, and I'm excited about that mainly because my family and I get together and my mom makes it really special with some different foods and somehow it's just really nice to celebrate something of my roots and something that brings me in connection with my ancestors. So how are you doing in this moment? Take a moment and just check in with yourself if you'd like to. How are you breathing? How is it to be in your body at this moment? What do you see and feel? around you, and inside of yourself. I just got done with a bit of meditation, and in a future episode, I'm going to talk a bit about how I meditate, and what happens before and after and during it. I do something that is just more of a very like natural, organic, um, non-resistant process and it allows me to arrive into a space of presence with just being a feeling of coherence but before we jump into the episode today I want to just give you a few updates for the last three or four months I've been kind of in hermit mode in some ways even though I've still kept podcasting I've still um, popped into social media here and there very little but um, I've shared much 
less than I normally would. And it's felt kind of good. I I've just had this feeling of, no, I'm not ready or don't feel like sharing. And as I started this podcast, almost, oh gosh, now it's going to be three years ago in February, I started it with the intention of doing it if it feels joyful and pleasurable. And so sometimes I've just found more pleasure in keeping to myself. A lot's happened for me in the last few months. And part of this podcast is going to be talking about that with my polyamory journey and where I am now with it, as well as uh, just a bit of mentioning about my health, which is also related to this sort of polyamory shift to wanting my life partner uh, and, and what I want to talk about today. But it started to dawn on me that wanting to have kids has always been a part of my life, and yet it was getting closer. It, it just kind of hit me quickly that maybe it's closer than I thought, and something in me said, get ready, get ready. So I began working with this naturopath, and it was really cool, this process of biofeedback that she was doing basically using my voice through this machine and testing all these different nutrients, testing how my organs were functioning, each part of my spine, um, the different emotions that were in balance or chronically out of balance or acutely out of balance. And it spit out this like 39-page report of um, details of each nutrient in my body and where it was and um, all the things I just listed. And of course, that can be momentary. It can be evolving very quickly as to what the read would be is my understanding. Some of you out there are probably more familiar with this process than I am, but it was fascinating and disappointing on some level because for me personally, I found out that my body was very deficient in certain foundational nutrients. And what my naturopath said was that if it's deficient in certain foundational nutrients, then any um, foods that are going in, any special herbs or things like mushroom powders, like reishi, lion's mane, and those things I was more drawn to at that time were not really sticking. There wasn't a foundation for it to build off of. And that made sense inherently to me. I asked her what she thought about why, because I thought I was doing great and um, I have felt better than I ever have in my whole life. But I do, I do know that about almost three years ago, uh, in the early episodes of the podcast, episode 13, actually, if you're interested in going to it at um, candisu.com slash EP13, I talked about spiritual crisis. And in that episode, I spoke to what 
was going on around that time in my body that was a part of that crisis. And it was, I didn't mention it at the time. I What I did mention was that I had a UTI and it just opened up to all these different pieces that I needed to heal in my being, in my body, in my soul. And what I didn't mention was that I had gotten an IUD, an intrauterine device that, you know, a form of birth control. And um, it was extremely traumatic. I do recall mentioning that I had some procedure or physical, like, health experience that precipitated it, but I think it was at the time a little too personal for me to share that I had an IUD put in. And um, especially because I, oh my gosh, it was so, 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 so painful and so traumatic for me. And I regretted it as soon as I got it. And especially when I had the first period about four weeks after I got it, I was in excruciating pain, like writhing on the bed. And my partner did not really know what to do with me. I <laughs> uh, don't blame him. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was in so much pain and it was like my uterus was pissed. And that period lasted like five days which with a lot of blood, and I, I'm going into these personal details now because basically that um, for the next year and a half, two years that I had this IUD, I had debated on taking it out during that time, but I couldn't find the right timing and then COVID happened and I was in Mexico. Um, but basically, there, during that whole time, I was bleeding about five days and a lot of blood, and I felt depleted every time and in between then. I knew I was just losing like everything in my body. And I was taking some Chinese herbs recommended to me by by a teacher of mine, and it was helping that was when I landed in Australia, you know, a couple of months after being in Bali at that time of getting, of having, I had gotten the IUD, gotten to Bali and had this spiritual crisis, which I talked about in episode 13. And then a couple of months later, uh, my partner and I landed in Australia and things started to get better for me because the kinds of foods I needed were more accessible and and just I could restore myself in a lot of a lot of ways and it was just the climate too was easier on my body. The land itself felt cooler. It's it just felt um like there was so much heat. In Bali it was the ring of fire area. Uh, the land was holding a lot of inflammation from the lineage of what the people were experiencing. I was dealing with like feminine masculine imbalance in my own body and it just heightened it because of that area, which I felt through the land. So 
All to say, I was extremely depleted of my nutrients. And by the time I was in Mexico this last year, during when COVID-19, um, the pandemic took over, I at some point was just like, I have to get this out. And I found a doctor in Mexico who took it out for me. And it just was, it was such a relief. And from there forward, I knew I was going to need to rebuild what I had lost. So working with this naturopath, she was like, we're going to load you up with all sorts of good nutrients. And I wanted it in the most natural form, in tinctures if possible, homeopathy if possible, and vitamins. And so far, I've felt better and better. We've even worked with some parasites through homeopathy and through our energy work. And uh, that's equated to me being even stronger in myself, not letting other people vampire off my energy or use my body, use my energy for their purpose unless I want to. Parasites, parasitic energy, that is a whole other topic. But um, so that's just a little bit about my health there. And on another end, I am literally recording this episode with my eyes closed, which is probably not a big deal, you're thinking. Um, but normally I have my eyes open and watching the recording happen. I got Lasix two days ago, and I've just been letting my eyes rest longer than what they tell me what they told me I should. Um, so I'm just keeping my eyes closed as much as I can, except for when it's absolutely necessary. And day one, I did keep them literally closed the whole time. I didn't want to open them. They were in a little bit of pain after the Valium wore off. It was such a strange procedure for me, um, literally having someone put a sharp tool into your eye without knowing that that was part of the process. I thought it was all laser. But yeah, they have to move the flap so that they can the laser can get to the part of the eye that's, that's going to be shaved off, essentially. And um, yeah, afterwards, I, it was pretty smooth sailing after the first couple of hours. And in that whole day and a half that I was... Um, very committed to keeping my eyes closed, I felt the impact, like, wow, I use my eyes for so many things. And I felt almost bored to death. <laughs> my mom was so great. She took care of me. And at some point, I just like plopped myself in front of her and was like, I need entertainment. <laughs> Did you know that was part of your job? <laughs> yeah, also, I couldn't exercise first day and, and a half. And so doing ballet and exercising, moving my body was all uh, a no on the list. Um, so watching things, using my cell phone, writing in my journal was also a no. I could have written without seeing. I could have recorded with my voice, but I just don't prefer that, which is funny because that's what I'm doing right now. I guess I do it enough with a podcast that I don't prefer to do it in other occasions as much. But 
it really was <laughs> eye-opening <laughs> in the backwards way. Just how much I relied on my eyes. So thank your eyes if you're hearing this. And, you know, we, we say it, I hear people say it often, like, yeah, we rely on our eyes so much or we rely on our cell phones, but can you really feel the impact of that? And the proportion of that impact to the amount of gratitude, appreciation for what our eyes give us. If you are blind, then you already perhaps know this or experience it in your own way. But for the rest of you, rest of us that do see, it is such a gift. Anyway, I'm going to shift gears now and into the topic for today, which is my journey in terms of the structure of my relationships. For almost all my life, I was monogamous and had a series of boyfriends, long-term, maybe one would consider me a serial monogamist. I did have some space in between a couple of them, maybe like a couple of months to a year, maybe two years at the most. But I did well in relationships and I gained a lot out of it too. I used that for my own growth, the things that I would get triggered with. And then there was a time, six, seven probably seven or eight now years ago that I had this little tickle of being interested in polyamory. And I thought, what is it? And how does that work? And I went to a polyamory support group in Chicago. Great group in case you ever want to check it out. Um, you can private message me or email me if you're interested in finding out which group that is. It was fascinating to see how people came with, with their loves. For example, like a man and two women, and the, all three of them were holding hands with all, all, like with each other, like almost in a circle, but they were sitting next to each other. And I was like, wow, how does that work? Um, so I'm not going to go into too much detail about my reactions, but it marinated in me for a couple of years before I felt like that's something I would like to explore in my life. And I didn't have a partner that wanted to at the time, kind of, like we had talked about it, but it didn't seem like he wanted to make it a reality. And at the same time, I was also interested in exploring my relationship with women and um, my sexual connection with women as well. So then we get to right about the time that I went to Thailand and right before I started the podcast, I went to a polyamory meetup in Chiang Mai. Actually, it was an ethical non-monogamy meetup and discussion group, and it was awesome. So fun to talk about 
the topic and all the things that people were thinking about and some of the struggles that people were having in their relationships, in their non-monogamous relationships. And for the most part, it wasn't necessarily like a place that people were looking for others to date or anything. So that felt good. But I did meet someone very important to me, the person, you know, many of you know as the editor of this podcast, Chris Spiegel. And he and I embarked on a an ethical, non-monogamous ENM relationship. So uh, I won't go into details about that, but after that relationship and for the next um, year and a half, two years after that, leading up to this fall, this this summer, actually, um, 2020, I was pretty much um, full in my, my, like, I guess, declaration that I was ENM, polyamorous, or whatever you want to call it, but that I would be honest and open to others about uh, that all the people in my life that I love and care about are people that I'm going to maintain relationships with, and that is fluid, and there's room for more love. There's room just like if you are a mother and you have children. This is something I had told my mom, that when the second child comes along, you don't stop loving the first child. You have more room in your heart for another. And that's obviously a general statement. Maybe that's not everyone's experience. But that you you have more room in your heart for other relationships. And yes, they take time. And yes, they take communication and honesty for them to be healthy. But it's like a whole ecosystem. And it's a, an acceptance for me of all the people in my life that I do have connection with and some that I have romantic connection with that that was a time in my life that I was very open about that and sought out relationships that would support that and be okay with that. I definitely had my share of relationships that were not okay with that and I tried to fit myself into the monogamous box for a certain person. I think I did that like two times and the butterfly feelings the new relationship feelings of of that particular relationship would last me just so long in terms of feeling like yeah okay i want to be monogamous with you and then the fuller me wanted to come through and i couldn't do it i couldn't um it's not like I couldn't be monogamous. It was more that I couldn't say that I was and fit myself into that box and make that promise. And that I wanted to be more open to the flow of how relationships came and went in my life. Even if I wanted one more, one specifically committed partner, a life partner, is what I always thought I wanted, plus other relationships. With those two, it didn't work out. And it essentially, those two were very monogamous people. And 
it hurt them on different levels. It just wasn't working out for me. And it was part of my own growth to fully come into ethical non-monogamy. And that part of me that embraced it, embraced how I was, this way of being that felt way more natural to me. And that allowed me to honor all the parts of me. Whether or not I exercised it, it was something I openly talked about. So you can imagine my surprise when I was like full on this summer, this last summer, 2020, in an ethical non-monogamous experience and all the people that I was attracting were also in that same boat and they had their own constellation of relationships some that were, you know, more solidly partners and some like they had certain solid partners in their life. And sometimes it was more like they'd go on a random date with a new person and couples that were also non-monogamous and either wanted to date me separately or together And it was all just a fun exploration. And I created a lot of meaningful connections at that time. And then after a series of a couple of very significant events, it hit me like a two by four in the head. It suddenly struck me in the face that I needed to let go of all these relationships that I had built, all these people I was dating and talking with because I actually wanted to set the stage for my life partner to come in and that I was actually ready for monogamy again. And then it transitioned into It's not necessarily monogamy that I'm after, but whatever my life partner and I decide together. But I did want the stability and the simplicity of a monogamous relationship and the commitment of a monogamous relationship. And if we wanted to decide to just add a little bit of other experiences in, I was fine with that. But basically, I just stripped away both ideas of non-monogamy and monogamy and decided that I would surrender to whoever this partner was in my life. And I began this journey of getting ready for this life partner, getting ready to have children, which is part of why I wanted to build my nutrient base so that I could be really healthy for pregnancy just something that's really important to me to be um, having a child. And I was just kind of shocked like that it came so suddenly. And at the same time, I was like, Candace, this is no surprise. Like you, you've wanted this and you've known this somewhere in you. You just conveniently forgot so that you could have all this fun. And maybe that's just because you know, you ebb and flow in different parts of your life. And you're. I was just really present with my non-monogamous experiences. And it was just really right at that time. And it changed fast. 
So it was pretty interesting to just watch all these relationships that I held at that time in this, this last summer clear away in some way or another, and some cleared away in very uncomfortable ways, in ways that I did not prefer, in ways that also led me to other healing and other lessons for myself. But in the larger picture, I could see how as soon as I wanted, declared and knew that I wanted my life partner and wanted some some form of monogamy or partnership that's committed for the long haul. It was like all the things that didn't fit disappeared, ended, crashed. And so it it just is such a great reminder for me that as soon as you really declare something and you feel into your worth of that, envision it, feel what it feels like to have it, that vision starts to come alive. And part of that clearing can create some uncomfortable experiences that seem like things aren't working out or things are falling apart. But actually, they're making way for the thing you dream of. So about a month and a half later, all the people that were in my life were gone. And I make it sound like it's a ton of people, but you know, even, even having one person in your life that was important for a time that you invested in, to have that end can be a big deal. And I had, I think, let's say one, two four, five different relationships that one was more primary and the others were more periphery, but still required some honoring and letting go. Something that I realized in this shift is that polyamory to me was uh, associated with freedom. For me, it's been about embracing all the different pieces of me and allowing them to have expression and to be full in the way that I am just as I am. And that is a big amount of expressed freedom to be able to express my love, my connection with people in the way that makes sense to me, in the way that I want to without limitations, but with lots of respect and care and honesty. To be uninhibited in that kind of um, overt expression of who's important to me and allowing those relationships that I wanted to have, all of them to exist at one time. And in one of the relationships I had that was the most prominent one this summer, this man that I was dating had two other partners. And the way that he was caring to each of us, the way that he respected each of us and 
respected his um, commitments to that to each woman, to me was important to see. I remember trying to make some plans with him. It was earlier on in our relationship. I was the newest one in his setup of partners. And I said, well, why don't you meet me on, you know, the other side of the state after you, since you're already going to be over there after your trip with your one partner. And he said, that sounds enticing. It's just that we made plans to drive together back home and I don't want to leave her hanging then. And that's, that would change all our plans. So I'm going to have to say no and let's plan something different for us. So that felt really respectful. And I saw that kind of respect happen in other places too. This eventually touched into a part of me that I didn't even know needed healing. It just felt lovely to feel how easeful he was in his honesty and communication and respect. And then when it sank in that these changes were happening in me that perhaps I started to want monogamy again, I realized that seeing him love more than one woman and not choose one over the other, but choose all of them was something that I deeply, deeply wanted from my father. My dad is married to a woman and this woman and I and and the family got along pretty well for some time. And one day there was a bit of a fallout between me and her, basically where she got upset with me and um, blew up at me. And I, I wanted to resolve this, but didn't happen and my my father wanted to just keep us separate then and then a few experiences after that showed me that he wanted to remain loyal to her even if it meant sacrificing commitments he made to me and that was hard that was hard you know I understand that he lives with her and that's his his family and I'm also his family. And I had yearned for a way that my father could choose us both. And to him, perhaps he did. And to me, there was something that felt like I got the shit end of the deal or that, you know, just left me desiring something more. And to watch this man that I was dating repeatedly choose everyone and to honor everyone in the situation was was completely healing. And I realized that part of my desire and draw towards polyamory was probably also to see this kind of experience. To see people love everyone that they love and not deny it to see everyone included. In constellations work, family constellations, systemic constellations, when someone is excluded, it's felt in the system. When someone is silenced, left out, unspoken for, and to say everyone's to, to bring everyone back into the picture 
and to honor their place. You came first, you came second, or I'm with this person now. And just honoring what the truth is of, of the setup of relationships. It felt like something in my lineage and in my psyche that was needed. And polyamory allowed that to be fulfilled for me in a way that just like touched deeply into my energy system and restored me. So I can't say that that's why I was polyamorous. I think there are many other reasons, including freedom that I had mentioned. And I don't think that it's going to not be a part of me. It's just that I may not express it the same way. So one might say that I'm still going to be polyamorous or, or, you know, that's just the way that I see, see and see around me and see my connections. But I may not express it in the physical form, in the actual form, in this concrete world. And the journey since has been fascinating because I've created a vision of exactly who I would like my life partner to be, like to the T. And I know other people have done this, like write a list of who they want. And one of the biggest things is to make sure that you are that person. So I've been doing that. And I have been imagining that person, imagining and feeling in my body how it feels, how it will feel to be with this person. And um, I'm not quite there yet as is in like I'm not quite ready to have this person walk into my life, but I'm getting really, really close. And there is somebody, if you recall a, a while back in the summer, I did an episode, if you've been listening, on my wedding. I think it's at my website, canister.com slash wedding. Or at least if it's not, it will be there now because I will add that link. I talked about a no-strings-attached relationship that was just bringing pieces of me into union, into marriage. And yet I also felt this like deep feeling with this person. And that person is still in my life. I don't know what I would call that relationship, but it's uh, steadily growing into something different than what it was. And it's been very confusing for me, very murky as far as, is this the person? And there have been times on this journey where I've just watched myself need to control, need to know, need to put it all together now and that's part of what's healing in me and resolving in me so that I can just feel at peace with what is now and what is already transpiring rather than trying to control it all and, and know it now when it's not ripe to know now but 
I definitely wanted to know if it was him. And I still do, but I'm a little more at peace with saying, well, I would like him or better. So if you have anything in your life that you feel attached to, it's definitely an attachment. Like I'm attached to the form of how it's showing up through this person. And yet what I want to experience for my life partnership doesn't need to be attached to a certain person or form. As long as I have the feelings and the connection with all that I desire, whatever form it comes in will be so wonderful. And so I've just held this idea of this or better and holding both experiences, one of what's going on in the present and checking in to make sure that I'm enjoying that and this is feeling right and aligned in this now experience and the vision and the feeling sense, the felt sense of that vision that I'm still holding that has nothing to do with this man that's already in my life, but what I desire. And it's gotten easier and easier. There were, there were weeks where I was listening to certain tarot readers and astrologers on YouTube like for hours because I wanted to have some answers. And I think that those readings are quite fun and they can be insightful and they can remind me of certain ways of being. And sometimes they're very poignant and right to me and sometimes they don't resonate at all. But here I was like searching and searching for some something to tell me the truth of what was going on. And I couldn't sit in the discomfort of not knowing. I essentially was having a lot of fear about my journey, fear that my I couldn't trust my journey, that I couldn't trust my life, that I couldn't trust that whoever I'm meant to be with, that our souls are completely already intertwined. This is at least my belief and that spirit will call us together. Obviously, there's free will and choice, but that there is a deeper bond between me and this person that I can't micromanage or make different even. But if I do micromanage and try to make different, it could interfere. So there's a creation of resistance to what would just naturally come my way. So I've been working with those fears little by little. And um, I feel like I've arrived into a really lovely, magical place where I feel like I feel the beauty of life happening. And I feel amused at some of the fears that still come up. I feel like, oh, yep, that's, that makes sense. That fear is coming up. And um, that's exactly the journey that I'm on. I'm enjoying the things that are flushing themselves out and how I perceive things, even if they previously were uncomfortable. And 
way more trusting and now excited for what's coming my way. I can feel the seeds have been planted and I can feel that my life partner is actually coming towards me. And if you know or you you can sense how I am, I'm an Aries. I'm a go-getter in some ways. Like as soon as I want something, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go towards things. I assert myself. I'm pretty fiery. I will blurt things out that other people may not say. And so it's been hard to be patient. It's been hard to like tone that fire down and allow someone else to take the lead. And I know that that's, that's not like what should happen here. There's no should and none of this process can follow any logical process. But just for me, something in me says, be patient. Let him come to you. Let the process unfold. Rather than doing my typical ways of like going for it, seeking it out. It is really me residing in the queen in myself. The queen that sits comfortably and draws and attracts towards herself and knows exactly that it's all coming. So thanks for listening to my journey and maybe you've gotten some pieces out of this for yourself. Maybe you want to find your inner queen or your inner king. Reside in that and allow things to come to you or maybe you've been interested in polyamory or ethical non-monogamy or this stripping of those labels that I've come to where I don't need to be particularly that's set on what things are called, but I'm defining exactly what I want. I'm getting way more conscious with and clear with what I truly desire. And it's changing all the time. So if you're hearing this and there's something you want in your life, I would invite you to begin that process or continue that process if you're in it of Asking yourself what it is you really desire. You know, if it's a career you're desiring or to create a career or a partner, um, a friend, a certain kind of friend and friendship, an expression, a way of expressing yourself that you want to step into, feel into it, get clear about what it looks like and what it doesn't look like and reside in the vibration of having it carve out that energy in the model of your energy system so there's room for it and watch it beautifully arrive but you'll have to do the work in the middle (laughs) of all the other stuff clearing out to make way for it. All the things that feel uncomfortable or like they might fall apart or the structures that once were that need to be cleared, the things that you fear the most, those will come forward. 
Well, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening in. And I'm wishing you all that you wish for in your life. You can have it. You are completely worthy of it. And that is one of the biggest things. It's it's not about having this thing in my life, this life partnership and family and all that that unfolds itself to be. That is part of it. I want to experience all that. But it's also the experience that I am completely worthy of what I desire and worthy of everything I desire to the T, to the details. And so are you. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Embody Podcast. Check out the other podcasts at candisu.com slash podcast, or you can go to the experientials at candisu.com slash meditations. And I always always appreciate your emails your comments whether they're on youtube or other social media also um, your show of support if you have money to donate and want to contribute or give back you can go to my site at candacewoo.com support and give a one-time or a recurring donation or you can just send me a quick venmo my venmo handle is at candace dash woo dash two Candace is with an I just in case you didn't know thanks so much and see you next time on the Embody Podcast